You're listening to a podcast from Victory. God keeps His covenant and shows steadfast love to those who wholeheartedly seek Him. Learn more about this message in our series, Unite. Greetings, everyone. It's truly an honor to share God's Word with you today. Last Sunday was amazing as we celebrated Easter because it is a powerful reminder that because Jesus died on the cross, all our sins are forgiven. And because Jesus rose from the dead, death has been defeated once and for all. And through Jesus, we can now receive the gift of eternal life. Sure, all people will still die one day, but those that have Jesus in their lives will no longer be harmed by the second death, by hell, or by the lake of fire. It will simply pass over us because now we are clothed in righteousness by the blood of Jesus. As Jesus puts it in John 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I believe this is the most amazing and the greatest news of all. Hallelujah. Now we are back again to the enhanced community quarantine. You know, my hope and my prayer is that once all of this is over, that we will all become better people, better children, better students if you're still at school, better parents, better husbands and wives, better Christians, better churches, better nation. You know, how we respond to God as individuals and as churches in this challenging time will determine the outcome of our lives and ministries. John chapter 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. While the enemy may bring this problem to us, God can use it for his purpose. Crisis like this is a useful tool in the hands of God. The playing field has been leveled up for all people. Whether you are rich or poor, whether you are powerful or just an average guy on the street, everyone is affected by this crisis. It makes hearts become open towards God. Crisis exposes all our false idols and our false securities. When times are good, people have the tendency to become complacent, ignore God, or even forget God. But times like this, when things are shaken up, it makes us look to God for deliverance, for hope and salvation. I pray that we will not miss what God is trying to accomplish at this time. Haggai chapter 2 verse 7 says, And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. I love the way it is put in the contemporary English version. It says, I will shake all nations and their treasures will be brought here, meaning in the temple of the Lord. But it is also interesting to know that many versions like King James Version says, that the desire of all nations shall come. The desired one obviously referred to Jesus because Jesus is the epicenter of all that is valuable. He is more precious than any wealth or treasure in all the world. So how do we reconcile the treasure of all nations and the desire of all nations shall come? In this time of shaking, God wanted us to desire Jesus, who is the ultimate and most valuable treasure in all the world. When people come to Jesus, they will bring along with them the treasures of all nations. Psalm 22, 27 says, 
All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over all the nations. You know, my other prayer is that we will be like the sons of Issachar. This is one of the 12 tribes of Israel and they are described as men who understood the times and know what Israel should do. Because the last thing we want is to simply weather the storm or try to hold out until all this is over. I hope as God's people, we are better than this. As God's church, we need to be proactive in a critical time like this. Crisis such as what we are going through is nothing new in history and certainly is nothing new in the Bible. So I want us to go to God's word to draw wisdom and counsel and see how God's people ought to respond in times like this. I will now read to you from 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. But before I do that, let me make this brief announcement to you. There is a prayer movement launched globally called United 714, which every nation is a part of. It is inspired actually from this verse, 2 Chronicles 714. That's why it's called Unite 714. It is a call to pray for God to heal our land. We are invited to pray twice a day with one voice, 7.14 in the morning and 7.14 in the evening. You can check some of these details at unite714.com. Let's believe God for the healing of our land. So let's go back now to Second Chronicles chapter 7. And let me read to you verses 13, 14, and 15. It says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You know, when we, what we are most familiar in this passage that we just read is the one in verse 14, where it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. But oftentimes we fail to see what it says in the verse before. Verse 13 again, you know, starts off with a list of serious calamities. I don't know if you noticed that, but it mentioned drought resulting in devastating famine, insect invasion, such as the swarms of locusts that's mentioned, that destroys food supply and pestilence that kills multiple thousands, if not hundreds of thousands and maybe even millions of people. The word pestilence also means deadly disease, epidemic, or plague. Against this backdrop, verse 14 outlines for us a very straightforward instruction from the Lord, how God's people ought to respond when similar crises like this happens today. The Lord is asking us to do four things to help avert this crisis. But these four things demand changes that first takes place in our own hearts. Because when our hearts are changed, we will also begin to see changes happening all around us. I believe this is what the Lord wants to do in our lives 
and in our churches. He wants to do a deep work in all of our hearts first. So once this is all over, we turn out to be better, more mature, more responsible Christians and churches. So the first one in verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. First thing we are called to do is we must humble ourselves before God. But notice that this instruction is first addressed to God's people. It says, if my people, it did not say if corrupt politicians humble themselves. It did not say if evil people humble themselves. No, rather it says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves. This plays such a big responsibility to God's people. Why? First Peter 4, 17 says, judgment begins in the family of God. If God wants to shake and change the nations, it starts with us humbling ourselves before God. We sort of serve like the spiritual barometer of our society. You see, if God wants to drive out corruption, compromise, selfishness, greed, materialism, and self-sufficiency in our society, God first drives it out of his own people. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, pride, arrogance, stubbornness is the very opposite of humility. Thinking highly of ourselves, ignoring God, not open to hearing from God, insisting on our own way, not knowing how to apologize or admit our faults, tolerating things in our life that we know is wrong, seeking man's approval, or being a man-pleaser. These are just a few examples of how one may operate in the spirit of pride. You see, pride is one of the biggest obstacles People are not going to God. Psalm chapter 10 verse 4, and I'm reading from the easy to read version. It says, the wicked are too proud to ask God for help. He does not fit into their plans. So if the Lord is showing us or convicting us of something that's wrong in our lives, let's respond to God in absolute humility. A humble person is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. He knows he's absolutely nothing and he's helpless without God. He is totally dependent on the mercy and the grace of God. A humble person acknowledges the lordship and the sovereignty of God. And this is expressed in his obedience to his word, doing his will and trusting God completely, even when things does not make sense. A humble person also acknowledges that everything he has comes from God. So he lives to be generous, kind, and considerate to others. Humility is a picture of a man who is bowed down. This is why oftentimes we take the posture of humility by getting down on our knees, even getting our face to the ground as an act of surrender and worship to the Almighty God. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. God calls us to humble ourselves, not because He's a controlling God or wants us to bow down to Him. In fact, the very opposite is true. It is because God wants to exalt us, for He who humbles Himself will be exalted, and because God truly cares for us. A humble person sees himself for who he is, lowly, desperate, helpless, vulnerable. But he also sees God for who He really is, all-powerful, majestic, sovereign, omnipotent, and yet full of grace, mercy, and kindness. He is one mighty to save, and He is our ever-present help in trouble. 
The second thing we are called to do is we must pray. God loves those who humbly pray and cry out to Him for help. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When things go wrong in your life, is our first tendency to pray and call on the name of the Lord. Or perhaps we find someone to blame and air our grievance in the social media. Is God not in control of everything? Yet we fret and complain as if God doesn't even exist. Really, it is almost like an insult to the face of God. That this God who is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, is somehow impotent, that He cannot do anything? When you face health problems, is your first tendency to pray, or you just go straight to your medicine or consult a doctor without any thought of God? Please don't get me wrong. I am not against medicine. I am certainly not against doctors. We need medicine and doctors. But my question is, where is God in the equation? When there is drought problem, the common response is to check weather patterns. When there is pandemic, people are desperate to get face masks, sanitizers, and access to testing kits. Nothing wrong with these acts. We need to do them. But where does our help really come from? Where does our faith really rest on? Is Jesus our first responder? Or is he simply the last resort or an afterthought? See, the early church was a great example for us. When they were in trouble, persecuted, or imprisoned, they prayed. Likewise, men like Moses, David, Daniel, Elijah, when they got in trouble, they prayed. And time and again, God intervened supernaturally. The Bible is filled with many such examples. Unfortunately, it is so sad that the average Christian today spends less than 10 minutes a day in prayer and the Word. You know, one of the important church fathers of the 4th century, John Chrysostom, Archbishop of Constantinople, had this to say about prayer. He said, prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, burst the chains of death, expanded the fates of heaven, assuaged diseases, expelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. It is the root the fountain, and the mother of a thousand blessings. Brothers and sisters, I hope we do more than just put on masks, wash our hands, and observe social distancing. I hope we seek the Lord for answers, for wisdom, for guidance, for His power, and His divine intervention. God can turn all this around for the advancement of His purpose and the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third thing we are called to do is we must seek His face. Crisis is a call to seek God. They usually come in the form of a wake-up call. But the big mistake is to simply see crisis from a human point of view, instead of seeking God or discerning what God wants us to do as His church. Just responding to social and health needs, while very important and highly commendable, this is not enough. We must 
seek the face of God. Seeking His face means to seek His presence. God wants to break through the impersonal wall and wants to reveal Himself to us. God wants to be personal with you and I. The Hebrew word for face is presence. Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Seeking God's face is more than just asking God for what we want from Him. Oftentimes, this is the case. We only seek God's hand, what He can do for us, instead of seeking His face for who He really is. Seeking God's face shows how serious we are to be with Him. It also means that we are serious about submitting our lives to Him and to His will. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9 says, For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. He said, if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. You see, man always has this tendency to assert his self-reliance independent of God. There is no doubt that for over a century, because of God's common grace, man have created major advances in science and technology, in microbiology and medicine. But then we get hit by some virus we have no cure for. It humbles us. It makes us helpless. It makes us vulnerable. You see, it's prudent, therefore, that no matter what success, what prosperity, what advances we think we have achieved, that we walk humbly before our God and be totally dependent on Him, always seeking His wisdom and trusting in His divine protection. See, God promised to be found when we seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 says, For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. God's purpose in drawing us to seek His face is so we see His holiness, we see His love, we encounter His mercy that offers forgiveness for all our sins. And finally, brothers and sisters, the last condition in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is that we would turn from our wicked ways. Let me emphasize the word, our wicked ways. It did not just say the wicked ways of the corrupt people in the world. It starts with us. This is a call to repentance. It means to turn one's heart from our sin, our wickedness, our sinful, unholy lifestyle, and walk toward God in repentance. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Turning from our evil ways implies that we also turn to God. This describes the moral and spiritual act of getting right with God. Repentance, repentance does not mean to just feel sorry for our sins or blame others for the wrongs done. No, spirit, spiritual repentance is a spiritual turnaround that calls for a lifestyle change. It's a pity for one to draw close to God and yet continue on without changing. We are fully obligated by Scripture to repent from all our sins. Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 3 says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. This is talking to us Christians. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. 
For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with his empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Friends, we must get right with God. There is also something insightful we can learn when God struck Egypt with plagues. God was not just dealing with the people, with the Egyptians. He was also striking and exposing the weaknesses of the false god and false idols of Egypt. For example, God's judgment devastated Egypt's economy. Please don't get me wrong on this. I am all for the healing of our economy. And I believe God can supernaturally turn things around for the better. But sometimes God just had to shake the world's economy, which is mostly driven by greed and materialism, to make us realize that the world's economy is not our security. God is. For example, how much confidence are people actually placing on their investments, savings, or assets? You know, in just one instant, all of this can all fall apart. Our trust and confidence must be on the Lord alone, who is the source of all wealth, who gives us the ability to make wealth. When we take this posture of humility and total dependence on the Lord through prayer, through seeking God and repentance, God promised to miraculously turn things around for us. Because he said in verse 14, Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Brothers and sisters, God is well able to heal our land from corruption, from greed, from poverty, from injustice. He can heal our land of unjust laws and economic chaos. And certainly he can rid our land of COVID virus just like that. If all we do if we follow what God called us to do in 2 Chronicles 7.14, humble ourselves, pray, seek God's face, and turn from our wicked ways, then we can have the confidence and the faith to believe that God will heal our land. What the enemy meant for evil, God can turn around for good. If this crisis, for example, causes people to turn to God and receive eternal life, this is a very good thing. This reminds me of Joseph, who had such tragic experience with his own brothers. But in the end, Joseph could say this of his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Then Joseph added, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. I love the way NIV puts it. The saving of many lives. Brothers and sisters, God is always in the business of seeking and saving the lost. It is good that God is doing a deep work in all of our lives to build our character, to build the character of Jesus in our lives. But what is even more exciting is if more people will turn to Jesus and surrender their lives to him as Lord and Savior, especially in a time like this. God is not willing that any of them perish, but every one of them to come to repentance. May we all be empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring healing and salvation to other 
people. Like in the book of Esther, perhaps, God's, perhaps God has brought us to a time like this. He brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Perhaps this crisis is turning to be the opportunity of a lifetime. This could be the defining moment for the church. How we respond to God in humility and become conduits of His blessings to our community and to the world could be one of history's finest hour for the church. I hope, brothers and sisters, that this message has encouraged you today. So let me just end by praying for all of you. Lord, we declare you as the sovereign God. You sustain everything by the power of your word. You are in full control of everything that goes on in our lives, in our cities, and in our nation. Lord, we trust you completely. Have your way, Lord God. Bring about your redemptive purpose, even in times like this, the saving of many lives. Lord, I pray that Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people will come to know you as a result of this global crisis, Lord God. And it is also my prayer that as Christians are being shaken, Lord God, that the deepening of the character of Christ in the life of your people, Lord God, will, be, will become real, Lord God. It will manifest in our lives. Lord, we pray and intercede in this time that you would bring healing in our land, that you would bring healing in our economy, and you, that you would bring healing on our people. Father, we just want to end by worshiping you, Lord God, because you are Jehovah Makedesh. You are the Lord who sanctifies. You, O oh Lord, who began the good work in our lives, will bring it to completion until the day of Christ, because you who called us is faithful, and you will keep our spirit, our soul, and bodies blameless until the day of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give all glory and praise and honor to you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless us all. Thank you for listening. We hope you were encouraged by the message. For more podcasts and updates, visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app. You may also give through our website and share your prayer requests and answered prayers with us there.